0: Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone. So I'll be reading Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came to the field and has remained here from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty, go." and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have, I've been told about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How have you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before? May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May may you be richly rewarded by the Lord and the God of Israel, under under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said, you have put me at at ease by speaking kindly to your servants, though I I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her her roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks from her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to an ifaf. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth, the Moabite, said, even, "He even said to me, "Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain." Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, "It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed." So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz, to glean until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. God bless the reading of his word. So say a quick prayer. Father God, we thank you for this evening that we're able to gather freely, without any holes, without any, um, without any, Restrictions that we can come here rejoicing as saints together to hear from your word. Father, we pray for Sharon and even as she comes to share the word that she has prepared, that you have prepared through her today, that, you know, you speak only through her and that um, for everyone who is listening, that may their hearts be open, may their eyes be open, and indeed, may this service be refreshing for everyone who needs hope, who needs a light, and who just needs encouragement to take on, um, you know, the this life. We ask that indeed may this service make a tangible difference for everyone who is here. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Adeola. Is God in control? What about in the uncertainty of your employment or health concerns you have? Or what about unmet longings that look like they're not going to be fulfilled? Is God in control? Will he provide for you? Well these have been questions I've been asking this very week with my mum going under a major operation yesterday with losing my voice two days before preaching. Can we trust God to provide and how will he provide? And these are questions I think Ruth and Naomi must have been asking. The answer in the book of Ruth is yes, God is in control But the book of Ruth shows us that trusting God doesn't mean we should be passive. In fact, in our our vulnerability, we must actively find refuge. And we've been hearing already about that from Steve. We must find and take refuge. And from a place of plenty, with the resources we do have, we must give refuge. We must provide refuge. So let's remind ourselves where we are in the story. Last week, we heard just how tough life was for Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Naomi had left her home because of famine in search of bread and gone to a pagan country, Moab. But there her husband died, her two sons died, including Ruth's husband. And Naomi returns lamenting in the midst of her suffering. Things were pretty bleak. But there were hints of hope, if you remember from last week, there were hints of hope in the desperation, because in chapter one, Ruth, a non-Jewish woman, commits to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to follow Naomi to her home country, to follow Naomi's God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem, which we were reminded of means the house of bread, just As the barley harvest was beginning, hope, the prospect of food was before them. And as we pick things up today in chapter two, we're going to look at the two main characters in this chapter. We have Ruth and Boaz, one in need and one in plenty, one an outsider and one with high standing, an unlikely match. And as we go through, let's notice those themes of God's control and finding and providing refuge as we go through. So firstly, God's in control, find refuge. God's in control, find refuge. And let's look at the character of Ruth. What do we learn about her from this passage? And do follow along with me in your Bibles. Verse two, Ruth the Moabite. In fact, five times in this chapter, she's either referred to as a Moabite or a foreigner. And this puts her at a significant disadvantage. She is an outsider. Verse 11, if you look down, she is a widow. And as a woman, we heard last week, this affected her reputation, her physical safety, her financial stability and prospects. Look down with me at verse 13. And in her very own words, she says, I don't even have the standing of a servant She is the lowest of the low and has no guaranteed income. She is extremely vulnerable. And maybe there's some here who have tasted that level of vulnerability, or you feel like an outsider. You know a little of what Ruth felt like with no prospects. But what we also know about Ruth from chapter one and from verses 11 and 12 in our passage is that she has become a follower of the living God and so we might ask how does her newfound faith in God shape her actions in the middle of her vulnerability how does her newfound faith in God affect her well you'll see it doesn't doesn't mean she sat at home just waiting for God to provide for her instead trusting in God's control leads her to action did you see that? She takes a job right at the bottom of the pile. She goes to glean in the fields. Now, this was a system that God had established in his law. In Leviticus 19.9, God's people were told this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them, for the poor and the foreigner I am the Lord, your God. So this was a God-given security for the poor and the foreigners in the Israelite community, a security system. And God's hand, his providence, or we might say his control, was at work in setting up that system for his people. And God's hand, his providence, was at work here in Ruth's day as well, providing for her. Look down at verse 3. Of all the fields she stumbled upon, as it turned out, she finds herself in Boaz's field, a relative from the clan of Elimelech. That was her father-in-law. And this is a very strong hint from the narrator. God was in control. God was providing for her. As it turned out, she stumbles to Boaz's field. So Ruth sets to work and soon after um, Boaz arrives he notices her and he begins to look out for her. He speaks kindly to her. He tells her to stay with his servant girls and so she's secure in their company and he warns his men off harassing her. He gives her water, gives her bread, gives her roasted grain and then he has extra grain left for her. She's gone from famine to fullness. She's gone from nothing to abundance. Ruth finds refuge in Boaz's field and then at his very table. And why has Ruth found favor in his eyes? Maybe like me, it's easy to imagine that Boaz had a sinister motive and wanted to take advantage of her. And Ruth wants to know this as well. Look at verse 10. She asks, why have I found such favor in your eyes? Well, verse 11, Boaz answers, he tells her, I've been told all about you and what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you didn't know before. Now, Boaz was deeply impressed with her character, her kindness to Naomi her mother-in-law and so then he speaks a blessing over her in verse 12 look look with me may the Lord repay you for what you've done may you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge see Boaz sees that Ruth has sought refuge under God's wings And that image, the image we had in our call to worship as well, of of sheltering or hiding under God's wings, it's a beautiful image. Maybe you've seen it if you've been around a farm or uh, with a kind of mother hen and her chicks or maybe a duck and ducklings in a pond in Dublin. It's that image of protection and loving care for the vulnerable. Well, Boaz recognises that this is the kind of refuge that Ruth has been seeking in God. And through Boaz, in these hot fields, Ruth has been experiencing the kindness, the provision of God through him. So we see God's control. We see God's providence at work in Ruth's circumstances and her everyday actions and decisions as she seeks refuge in God and his people. So what does all this mean for us, a long way from those harvesting fields Well, there may be people here today who are not following Jesus who haven't, in a sense, ever taken refuge under God's wings. And it's a humbling image, especially to consider yourself as weak, like a chick, especially if you don't realize that actually you need God's provision, you need God's protection. But that's the call of the whole Bible. Turn from your self-reliance and come and find refuge in God. It's a beautiful image because it's an invitation to know the forgiveness and the eternal security under God's wings. But for those of us who are following Christ, there's a challenge too. We remain vulnerable. We have needs, as we were hearing earlier. And do we actively, actively find refuge in God? God was in control of Ruth's story, and the claim of the Bible is he's in control of your story and my story. Will we trust him to provide what we need? I first took refuge in Christ when I started to follow him as a child, but I've had to actively choose to trust him so many times, to choose to trust his providence. When I financially, when I left my job to go to Bible college in America in my early twenties, I had to trust that God was in control. I had to seek refuge in big decisions: who I should marry. You, you saw who how that turned out. That was a good one. Um, which church to join? Which country to serve in? In small decisions too, I had to choose to actively trust that God is at work in the small decisions. And recently. In a really tough season, finding refuge under God's wings has looked like intentionally telling myself the truth, that Jesus is still reigning over all things, even in the suffering. In fact, especially in the suffering, Jesus is still working out his purposes in me. Do you believe that in your life? Where do you need to trust that God is in control? Where do you need to find refuge in him? Maybe for you it's the unmet longings of singleness that Steve mentioned last week. Will you trust that God's plan is best and not marry someone who's not following Jesus? Or not marry someone of the same sex? Will you find your refuge in God? Or in mental health concerns worries for your children, or other unmet desires, whatever our vulnerability is at the minute, will you find refuge in God and trust that he will provide? Will you tell, the, will you tell yourself the truth from the Bible that he's still in control and trust his timing and his provision? Find refuge under his wings. Now I just want to make a caveat here because in this story, this wonderful story of Ruth, God gives Naomi and Ruth employment and food and things are looking really good. But for us trusting in God means walking by faith even if we don't receive the fulfillment of the promise this side of the new heavens and the new earth. And you just need to read Hebrews 11 if you want lots of illustrations of Christians who've kept going, trusting God, but not got um, what they needed this side of the new creation. Because some Christians don't end up with a boss like Boaz or even a husband like Boaz. But by faith, we continue to trust in God's providence and control. We hold on, even if the fulfillment of those things will be in the age to come. Hold on. On. And as we wait, let's be encouraged because the one that we follow, Jesus Christ, he can identify with our vulnerability. Like Ruth, Jesus knew what it was like to be an outsider, he knew what it was like to be despised, he tasted suffering to the depths. And Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. Let us then approach the throne of grace, take refuge with confidence so that we may find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is the one who can identify with vulnerability and as we pray to him be encouraged that he identifies with you. So God's in control Let's find refuge. And secondly, let's look at our second character, Boaz, under the heading, God's in control, provide refuge. God's in control, provide refuge. Now, what do we learn about Boaz? Look back with me at verse one. He's a relative of Naomi. He's a man of standing. He's from a clan, and we know that's Naomi's deceased husband. And he has a kind leadership style. He greets his workers in verse 4 by invoking God's presence with them. Imagine if your boss did that on a Monday morning, tomorrow morning. He invokes a blessing from God upon you. I don't know whether that would be an encouraging thing or not, but it's, it's wonderful for who he is. It's a kind leadership style. And then we know from his actions towards Ruth about his character of integrity. He fulfills the gleaning laws, and he goes above and beyond the gleaning laws by providing extra water, extra grain, protection for Ruth, kind words, a blessing for her, and then we know from verse 23, ongoing provision. And in verse 20, look with me, Naomi said, he's their guardian redeemer which means he had a family responsibility towards them. And it seems like from, what, from this chapter, he's taking it seriously, but more on this next chapter. In the day of Judges, when everyone was doing right in their own eyes, Boaz was doing right in God's eyes. He's trusting in God's control, but he's not leaving the vulnerable, vulnerable to God, saying, oh, God will provide for them. He's not leaving it to others. No, his belief that God was in control leads him to actively obey God's laws by providing for others and even going beyond them at personal cost to himself. So with the resources that God has given him, he uses it to provide refuge for others. And what about us? In a day when many around us are doing right in their own eyes, living for themselves are we doing right in God's eyes? Are we providing refuge for others? Or let's put it this way, are other people experiencing the kindness of God through us? Just as Boaz spotted Ruth and he heard about her vulnerability, we need to see those around us who are in need. Do we even have eyes to see them? And maybe you're tempted to feel overwhelmed like me because we can't solve homelessness in Dublin. Um, we can't solve poverty. The needs are overwhelming. So let's spend a few moments just thinking practically and specifically about the needs around us. And as we go through them, and as I mention different categories, maybe just pray that God would remind you of one person in your life who has, some, who has one of these needs Physical needs around us, those living with chronic pain, long COVID, or recovering from operations. Relational needs, those at different stages of life, who are lonely or who are living far from family. We're a very international church and lots of us live far from family. Or those in situations of neglect or abuse. What about those with mental health needs? Living with disappointment, depression, anxiety, unmet desires, financial needs, the threat of being made redundant, struggling to get a job, circumstantial, little time in their life because of pressurised jobs, maybe that's what you feel as as the new week looms, or parents of young children or people juggling a lot. And the marginalised, the traveller community, or asylum seekers, and those with spiritual needs, those not following Jesus who haven't taken refuge under God's wings, or maybe believers who are in particular periods of doubt or temptation or disappointment. Who are the vulnerable in your life around you? And since preparing this, I've really been praying that God would open my eyes to see who it is around me that has needs, So firstly, we need to see the needs around us, but secondly, we need to consider what resources we have, what has God given us, and how could we use that to provide refuge for those around us. And so if you're a believer, God's given you the gift of faith. You've been entrusted with the privilege of bringing the good news to the ends of the earth. Will you bless others or will you keep it to yourself? I think of my friend Malcolm um, over in England who had an infectious joy as he shared the good news. And he used to always say this phrase, get out there. He had an English voice, if you could forgive him. Get out there, you never know what God's going to do. And he had a joy in doing it. God's in control, let's use the resource, the gift of faith and provide refuge. What about our time? Let's use our time to listen to people. Interested is interesting, people say. If you show interest in what people are saying, they will think you're interesting. So use your time to listen well to what people are saying. Chat with people after the service here, meet up for coffee, say hello to people. I think of my friend Wendy who used her time to welcome international students and to introduce them to the uh, complexities of the culture. God's in control, let's provide refuge. And what about talents? The gifts God's given you, your abilities, your power maybe if you're in leadership, your influence, the contacts, who you know, how can you use those to provide refuge? I think of a friend who's working in a secular organization and using their influence for the good of others. God's in control, but let's provide refuge. What about your treasure, your money, your stuff, the space, your house? Even if you're a student or you're not earning very much, you can still give. Maybe you could start by just giving five pounds to a charity. But I also think of dear friends who have way more than five pounds. They've grown a business but they use significant portions of their income to fund mission, to fund ministry for decades. God's in control, but let's provide refuge. And what about your, lastly, your relational status, marriage and singleness? How can your marriage become a way to bless others? How can your singleness, whether chosen or not chosen, be used for others? I met an unmarried girl last week who was visiting our church and she's using her time and her spare rooms in her house to foster children at the weekend. God's in control, let's provide refuge. Jesus taught his disciples that when they provided refuge for others, give them a cup of water, visited those in prison, they were doing that for him. So as we consider our individual resources, let's not forget that we are a community. We are a church. And let's think about our corporate resources. How are others, particularly the vulnerable, experiencing God's kindness through us at Christ City Church? Well, as well as the church banquets, on our website, you can find a list of the ministries and the people that we support as a church. So when you give financially to Christ City Church, you're also giving towards these ministries. And many of those, or a number of those, are providing refuge for the vulnerable. And you can f- yeah, head over to the website to look closer at that. But there's also a number within our church family who are working with the vulnerable people. And I spoke with two of them this week. Sarah, you'll know some of you will know, working for a domestic violence service, and Emily working with the traveler community. And both of them emphasize the need for us as a church to educate ourselves, like Boaz, to notice, to really see the needs. Emily is hoping to share some resources on the CCC Community Facebook page this week so that we can understand more of the Traveller community, their culture, the issues that they face. And she encouraged us that one key way we can provide refuge is to challenge the narratives of hate and exclusion and to find local campaigns that we could support, either with our money or our time. And chat with Emily if you want to find out more. Sarah also urged us to educate ourselves. One in four women in Ireland have been or are experiencing domestic abuse. And she said that a way to provide refuge is to be a safe person, that they can come to and explain what's going on and be believed she asked us to pray against shame the shame that they feel to tell someone and the fear of homelessness that they might face and that these women she asked us to pray that these women and children will find the services that Dublin has for them And let's do be praying for Sarah and Emily. They're on the front line, caring for the vulnerable. And let's pray that others will experience the kindness of God through them and through us, if God is putting that on your heart. Let's be those who provide refuge. And if any of those issues have hit a nerve with you, you think, that's actually my area of vulnerability and we would love you to experience the kindness and provision of God through us. So come and chat with us about that. But above all, yes, we find refuge and provide it with one another. Above all, Jesus is the one who provides the refuge we need. You see, like Boaz, he actually saw. He had eyes to see the outsider. He had compassion on the poor, and the vulnerable. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus takes the Old Testament scriptures and he opens them up to the prophet Isaiah, and he reads it with authority, showing that he, Jesus, was the fulfillment of God's refuge for the vulnerable. These are the powerful words he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you know this, Jesus? Because even if you haven't experienced physical poverty, the Bible says all of us are spiritually poor without him. And Jesus gives spiritual sight to our spiritual blindness. God's kindness and favour is ultimately displayed in Christ as he frees us from our imprisonment to sin. Do you feel free? Have you known that freedom from being imprisoned to your own sin and selfishness? He is the one that we need. Take shelter under his wings. So, in the midst of your vulnerability and mine, God is in control. Find the refuge you need in Christ and in His church. And with the resources God has given you, provide refuge that others may experience the kindness of God through you and through me. And as for Ruth and Naomi, while we leave on another cliffhanger, look down with me at verse 23. Ruth continues to glean until the harvest was finished. But what happens after harvest? Will God provide? Well, you're going to have to come back, but here's a little trailer. Love is in the air. So come back and find out more. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have experienced vulnerability. Thank you that you can empathise with us and with the needs that we have. Thank you that you see our spiritual and practical needs and you provide refuge for us. And we ask, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will draw us to find our refuge in you this week. And with all that you've blessed us with, oh God, with all the resources you've given us, Will you help us to give and provide refuge to those around us? Help us to see, like Boaz, like Christ, help us to see the needy and the vulnerable around us. And even now, oh God, just in the quietness, just even bring one person to our minds that we could provide refuge to this week, that they might know your kindness through us